I'm Charles Payne. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Greg Jarrett, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, April 19th, 2021. I'm Trey Inkst. Jailed Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny is reportedly on the brink of death and has been moved to a new facility. Probably this Wednesday we're going to be mass protests once again. Um, he has so many supporters and he, they all are putting immense pressure on Putin. Or For now he's not backing down, only strengthening his pressure on him and his uh, supporters. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Sunday there will be consequences for Russia if opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies in prison. Navalny started a hunger strike at the end of March, protesting his detention. The opposition leader traveled home in January after spending months in Germany recovering from being poisoned. Protests in support of the Russian critic are scheduled to take place nationwide on Wednesday. Over the weekend, President Biden called Navalny's arrest totally unfair and inappropriate. The international pressure Russia faces over the detention of Navalny comes amid new sanctions levied by the United States on Thursday. He was moved earlier today, Monday, into a medical facility in the prison where he is held. For more on this story and others you may have missed over the past week, this is Yonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. Which is in some way are good news, but this facility is notoriously known for... Um, torture of inmates and sometimes the death of them. Um, He has still not seen an independent doctor or any of his own doctors, only uh, doctors who are affiliated and working for the Russian government, the government he opposes. Um, He has been on a hunger strike uh, in the past three weeks, making his deterioration of his condition. He's, um, according to release documents that have seen by his own doctors, his kidneys are failure and is an, an imminent risk of heart attack. Um, this We don't know what's his current state. The uh, released documents were a few days ago. Um, and both the U.S. and the EU and other Western countries are calling Russia to his, his release or at least to give him access to medical attention as soon as possible. There's also some internal pressure. In Russia, there are demonstrations scheduled for Wednesday, correct? Yes. Um, his supporters, um, along with the international community and Russian exiles outside of Russia, around the world, are calling for Wednesday as a day of demonstration and support to Navalny inside Russia, all around the country, and outside of Russia, around the world. The first time we talked about Navalny was back in August when we discussed massive demonstrations of support of him. Um, And then probably this Wednesday we're going to be mass protests once again. Um, He has so many supporters and they all are putting immense pressure on Putin. For now he's not backing down only strengthening his pressure on him and his uh, supporters. And this comes amid a unique time for Russia as they face other international pressure. The Ukrainian defense minister said this weekend that more than 100,000 Russian troops have amassed on the Ukrainian border and NATO, along with a variety of Western politicians and allies to the Ukrainians, are very worried about a possible military invasion that Russia could launch. 
The Russian troops are amassing on the border uh, with Ukraine. The president uh, of Ukraine, Zelensky, is also um, voicing very harsh criticism against Russia and his own nationalism, um, supporting um, the fight. He's calling for the U.S., and other countries to support him. He's trying to work his way again into, once again, into NATO. Um, President Biden is facing yet again another angle of his Russian tension, um, along with uh, Navalny, now with Ukraine, and with the expulsion of um, diplomats from the U.S. to Russia. Uh, we've seen sanctions and we've seen Putin uh, retaliating with expelling or intending to expel or ban several American diplomats and former officials from entering Russia. Uh, it's a story that's been ongoing since the war between Ukraine and Russia started back in 2014. But now the big risk is that other world powers are forced to get involved based on treaty alliances like NATO. So it's a story to watch for sure. I want to shift now to another story people may have missed over the past week, and that is the rising number of COVID-19 cases currently taking place in India. More than a quarter million people a day infected with coronavirus. Yes, um, these are devastating news from India. While they're trying and they're doing their best in vaccinating people, and they had... Um, doing so in the past few weeks very successfully. The um, positive cases uh, rate is also on a rise. Um, Delhi is imposing six-day lockdown starting tonight as hospitals are short of beds, oxygen supplies, and key medicine. Um, so far, 15 million injections were recorded, which is only second to the U.S. It's a lot of num- a lot of people, but when you compare it to vaccination per capita, it's less than 1.7% of the whole population. Um, Back in January and the beginning of February, it seemed that India is fighting COVID and things are getting better, but Prime Minister Modi, with the pressure of other people uh, from within his government and opposition and the people of India said that they need to get back to work and he's opened up Um, eased up the restrictions. Um, There were uh, religious celebrations. One of them is the um, Kumbh Mala uh, near the city of Haridwar. For three weeks, hundreds of thousands of people have come to this without social distancing, without any mask. And there were more than 1,000 people who have been registered as positive. Uh, we, the Indian authorities and the medical organization fear that the numbers are higher because they can't test everyone. Um, and it just keeps, it, it's a horrible situation. Uh, India was also producing its own COVAX um, vaccination based on the AstraZeneca, but they're now rationing the numbers of vaccinations because of lack of imports from the U.S. of raw materials for the vaccinations. Yeah, it's something that I think is now forcing authorities to act more quickly and respond to the growing number of cases. 
there was the situation when the outbreak first started where we saw these rolling lockdowns across India, but they didn't always encompass every region of the country. So there would be these massive outbreaks in one part of India while another region or specific city had things under control. And now it seems like it's really just spiraled. Because many people in India um, live in one place and work in the other. And so they travel for a period of time to this to their working place and then come back. And so the infections are spreading all over. So as you said, one state can be under lockdown and containing the spread of the virus. But then there are others who are not. And then it just happens to be devastating news from there. You've been listening to You're Not Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. We'll be right back. Our last story for today has to do with some breaking news Sunday night. Yet another rocket attack in Iraq by suspected Iranian-backed Iraqi Shia militias, this time against a base that sits just north of Baghdad. It doesn't house any American troops, but it does house American contractors. What do we know? Um, Last night, there were multiple rockets fired at the Balad base north of Baghdad. Five people were wounded. Two of them are foreign contractors and three are Iraqi soldiers. Um, Again, as you said, there's no immediate claim of responsibility. But in previous cases, um, Iraqi Iran-affiliated militias were the one who fired the rockets. We have seen in the Sabrina News Telegram channel video and more details than usual. And in similar cases back earlier this month and before that, um, there were also a claim of responsibility in this specific um, Telegram channel. Since January, when President Biden took office, there were more than 20 rocket attacks against forces in Iraq, U.S. forces and U.S. contractors. Um, And this base has been targeted about earlier this month, about two weeks ago, with no casualty. Um, Earlier this month, on the beginning of uh, April, the U.S. have vowed to withdraw troops from Iraq, but there was no timeline provided. And there was one strategic dialogue between the U.S. and Iraq. Um, Iraq is walking a fine line between its relations with the U.S. and its relations with the Iran and the Iran-affiliated groups within its borders and outside of its borders. Um, it has something that has begun in, pre- in the past decade and throughout the U.S. presence. Um, But when the U.S. troops are withdrawing, there's a vacuum. And this vacuum is either uh, filled by ISIS operatives or Iranian uh, troops or advisors as they present themselves. It's interesting hearing the perspective of people on the ground at these bases. For our reporting last night, I was talking with some U.S. contractors, and one sent me a message this morning to say Iraq is still kinetic. And he was talking about the movement and uncertainty that we've seen over the past several years in Iraq, U.S. forces trying to draw down. But at the same time, as you've mentioned, this action might make some parts of the Iraqi government happy and the Iranians happy, but it does create this power vacuum and this struggle for control of many areas that are ungoverned currently. And in the middle of this, there are people, there are families who want their life back. Um, It's been almost 20 years since uh, 9-11-2001 that they are living under war conditions. They haven't been able to recover, to 
uh, prosper to have a normal life in this war-torn country. And we keep forgetting them. Yeah, the translators, the people who were there for so many years during the time that U.S. forces were on the ground in Iraq and their families and the people who weren't even related to U.S. involvement but had to live amid the crossfire for so many years and now still live in an ungovernable and unstable society. It's a really sad, ongoing story. So for our last story, a good news story today to wrap us up here. We made history, not you and I, but the people um, and the engineers of NASA, the Mars helicopter, a tiny helicopter, have made its first space exploration um, at 6.15 a.m. It was streamed worldwide, and I watched it as a geek. Um, But the helicopter from uh, the Mars... Uh, probe has gone outside of the probe and into the into Mars, landing gently on it, sending data and images, and moving back. This is history because it's very similar to the first flight by the Wright brothers. And Mimi Ong, the project manager, said um, while it was short and not far, it did make history and it felt like the whole world is launching and flying this tiny helicopter in space. Space stories always have a way of bringing people together because it's an area that it's hard to disagree on. Everyone wants to know what's out there. They want more information and they want to learn about these unexplored parts of the universe. So it's a really great story. It's magical. It is. Yonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer, joining us once again on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. Yonat, thank you. Thanks, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.